Hey, we are in our part three of our series called Legacy today. If you're just joining us for the first time, uh, really excited about this series. We're starting this really as a, as a new tradition, as a, as a church. We've never done this before, and that is we're going to start the November kind of December time just really talking about how we as a church can make a difference, how we can make a church a difference in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces, in our cities in our nation and around the world. And so we're, we want to build out a series that really just helps empower you to learn how you yourself can make a difference. And so if you have some notes this morning, y'all got some notes this morning? You, sh- you should have got some notes when you walked in. Come on, you're going to fill out a lot of notes today as uh, just kind of share a little bit of, of this idea of legacy. If you weren't here for week one, let me just kind of give you a working definition for legacy. Legacy is this, if you, if you want to fill this in. Legacy is the future without you but still influenced by you. Legacy is the future without you, but still influenced by you. That, that we all want to leave a legacy, and a legacy is something that lives on beyond you. Uh, most of us, though, don't know really what, what does that mean right now. Uh, we, we, it's kind of hard to think about when we're not going to be here. But I, but I want us to kind of be thinking that way, because how many of you know when you think that way, it, it changes the way you live right now changes the way. And so then first week, we kind of shared his vision Sunday, shared about the vision of our house and kind of shared some story of our church and, and where God has brought us over the last 18 years. And if you want to know a little bit about who we are and where we've come from, go, you can go listen to that message and talked about well, how we live generously and serve selflessly, love God passionately. And, and, and that, that's what really God has called us to do as a church. We, we kind of shared about uh, what we're going to be doing on December 2nd. December 2nd is a big Sunday for us. It's going to be our our one big legacy offering. Now, I want you to hear me very closely. Only once a year do we ever ask you to give to something. Um, when people come and, and bless our church and people come and, and speak, we never ask. We don't take up love offerings. We don't do anything like that. There's only one time a year that we're going to begin to do this. December 2nd is that year. It's kind of our year to go over and above our regular tithe uh, to really fuel what we feel like God's called us to do as a church. And so we shared a little bit of that in week one of we have a, a $200,000 God gap, which is going to help us complete our kids building. Um, come on, how many you ready to get in there? Get in there. We need to get in. Let's move in there. And uh, we want to finish that. And then we're going to expand our parking because we need more parking. And then I'm really excited. We're going to start live streaming all of our services so you can watch our service at any point in any place in the world during our services, and so we're working towards that, and so that's going to happen on December 2nd. The reason we told you that in week one was so you can start preparing. We never want you to come and, and be like, oh, I didn't know. We want you to pray and ask God, and so that's really where we're going, but today I, I want to share this big idea of legacy with kind of two big main thoughts. Last week I talked about yolts. You only live Twice. He only lived twice. And uh, we had to let Drake know he's wrong. YOLO is not, not really right. We, we live twice. And we talked about the motivation behind our generosity and making a difference is eternity. Come on, how many know heaven is real and so is hell? People are going both of those places. So we want to make sure that as a church that we're putting all of our effort and all that we do into where we're going to be one day, that our life here is short. And I, I, I'm, my job as your pastor is to not just prepare you for this life, but to prepare you for the next one. And so you can go back and watch that one too. But today, uh, I, I want to share with you kind of really two big thoughts. So if you, if you want to write this first one down, or I want you to write this down. You are here on purpose. You are here on purpose. That God has a purpose for you. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, I knew you 
before I formed you, before I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you before I formed you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork. Other translations say we are his masterpiece. Come on, look at somebody, tell them, I'm a masterpiece. Come on, tell them that. I'm a, I'm a masterpiece. <laughs> your wife looked at you, she's like, you are a piece. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> you are a piece of work. <laughs> you are a masterpiece. You are God's handiwork that, that, hey, listen, your mom and dad may be made you, but God formed you. You may be an accident to your parents, but you're not to God. All right, so listen, there's, there's no children that are accidents. God forms them, God makes them, and, and God made you exactly the way that you are. He formed your personality and your gifting and your body type, and God made all of those things. And so if you, if you don't like your body, take it up with God. Yes. God, I hate that I'm short. You know, just take it up with him, okay? If you don't like that nose, blame, just blame your parents, and then let God know. And, that, and, and so God's formed us. He made us. Listen, he, he put that brain that's in your, in, in, in your mind. He, he gave you that, the, the gifts that you have, the skill sets that you have, the, the personality. He knew you would be moody without coffee. He knew that. He knew that. He, he, knew, he knew that Mondays may be a little rough for you, and he, he, he knew that you're loud at times and don't have a whisper voice. He knew that. He knew you were a loud chewer. He knew, he knew those things, you know. He, 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 there's things that God knows about you. And I just want to just let you know this. If God made that, God made you, God formed you, how many of you know there's no one else we should get our value from than from God? And yet we as a culture compare ourselves to magazines and to social media and to entertainment. We look at everybody else and wish that they had what they had. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you, no no value is more important than what God puts a value on you. That there's no child that's, that's an accident. There's no, there's no, no person. That, that's what, we all bear the image of God, which is why I hate racism, by the way. Because I mean, no, every person matters. There's no race that's greater than any other race. There's no social. I love this church because it's, it's Catholics and Protestants. It's blacks and it's white. It's rich and it's poor. Come on, how I many know we all matter to God? We all matter. And if you got a problem with any of those, wait till you get to heaven because you have a real problem. Because there's going to be a lot of people that look very different than you, but God made you. He formed you. You're here on purpose. But you're not only just here on purpose. God didn't just create you to exist. He also created you for a purpose. Write that down. You are here for a purpose. Not just on a purpose, and that's really what this series is about. It's, not, it's for you to understand that it's not just you being here on purpose, but you're here for a purpose. Now watch what the rest of Ephesians 2.10 says. Watch it. So, for we are God's handiwork. We are his masterpiece. Now watch. But we have been created in Christ Jesus. Everybody say these three words. To do, to do good works. To do good works, which God prepared, watch this, in what? In advance for you to do. That God, while he was creating, that the other versions of Ephesians chapter one would say, even before he spoke the earth into existence, that God was creating what, what was going to happen and who was going to be there. And not only was he forming and fashioning you and creating you, but he, he's got a purpose for you. He's got, a, he's got a call for you to do. He's got something for you to do. That, that in advance, before you even birthed into this world, in advance, God had some things that he wanted you to do. So here's the question. What does he want me to do? That's a great question. 
And it's actually, I think, one of the greatest things that we can do in the pursuit of life is not only to pursue Jesus, but to find out what he's got. What does he have me here to do? He's got a purpose for you and I. He's created us to do certain things. And you've got something, and I want you to know that God wants to use it. God wants you to use, he wants to use you. He's got something for you. Everything that you've experienced in life, God wants to use it. He wants to use it. How many of you have heard the poem, Footprints in the Sand? Y'all heard that poem, Footprints in the Sand? I, I, uh, I wrote a different version of it. It's a little bit of a modified version. This is the modified version of Footprints in the Sand. If you ever heard that before, watch, watch, listen to this. One night, I had a wondrous dream. A set of footprints on the sand was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore. But then some stranger prints appeared, and I asked, Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they are much too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk by faith, but you refused and you decided to make me wait. You chose to whine and complain and moan and you were selfish and lived for you and you alone. Your attitude stunk and your ears were shut and so there I dropped you on your butt. Might not be theologically correct, but just track with me here for a minute. <laughs> because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb and one must rise and take a stand or leave his butt prints in the sand. As ridiculous as this is, it makes the point that some of us just expect God to carry us in life. But how many you know he doesn't just want to carry you? He wants to equip you to do life with you. He wants to partner with you because you've got a purpose. You've got a call. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, and he wants you to do something. Y'all with me? So it's not just about God calling us and carrying us. It's about God equipping us so that we can advance his kingdom. So I want to share a story today. I want us to read a story in Luke chapter 5 of this playing out. God, how can you use me? Luke chapter 5, we're going to, we're going to read all the way through. So, so, so track with me here. We're going through 11 verses. Can you make it? Can you make it? Okay, 11 verses we're going to go through. And this is what it says. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats. You might want to highlight that. Like these, I'm, gonna, I'm highlighting things in this verse that I want you to know. So if you see it kind of highlight on the screen, it's, it's there for a reason. Two empty boats at the water's edge. And the next verse says, for the fishermen had left them and they were washing their nets. And so he steps into one of the boats and Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and now he taught the crowds from the boat. The next verse says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we caught nothing. We caught nothing. We didn't catch a thing. And he says this, but if you say so. I'll let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And then it says this, and as soon as both boats were filled with fish and the verge of sinking, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. And his partners, James and John, the son of Zebedee, we're all so amazed. 
Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed and they left their nets, they followed Jesus. I want you to put your, put your imaginary cap on with me and let's enter into this thing of this story. I love entering into the story and just imagining what this must have been like. Jesus is, is on the shore of a beach. Come on, how many know even Jesus loved the beach? Come on, someone, anybody in here? Jesus loved the beach and he's preaching and there's just amazing amounts of people that are coming to the point where he is just so, there's so many people around him that he, he looks around and he says, I, I, I kind of got to step back so I can, I can see more people, more people can hear me. And there are two boats, two boats. He chooses to step into one of them. One of them happens to be a guy by the name of Simon. We also know him as Peter. He steps into his boat. Now, I want you to notice something here. He does not ask permission to get into the boat. There was nowhere in the text that he asked for permission to get into the boat. He just got into the boat. And can you imagine what Peter's response must have been? Because this scripture says that he was, he was washing his, 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 uh, his, his nets because he was done. They were done. They'd been fishing all night. And he was washing his nets. And here it is. A strange man steps into his boat. And now how many of you know there are, there are two types of walk? There is the calm walk. And then there is the mad walk. And I can imagine in that moment, he's done. He's done fishing. He's, he's ready to hang it up and go home and, you know, put his feet up and just veg out and be done. And here he is. Jesus steps into his boat. And can you imagine there's a, a number of things rolling through his head. The first thing is he's asking, is someone in my boat? And then, the, and then, and then you know, as he's walking, he's like, someone is in my boat. Someone and then as he's walking a little bit faster, can you imagine he's thinking, that man just got up in my boat. And he gets up into the boat, and we know that he tells Peter, just push off. Just push off. Let me preach to the crowd. And he does, and he begins to preach to the crowd. Now, if you want to be used by God, anybody in here want to be used by God? I, I think, hopefully, I'm filled with a church of people who really want to be used by God. I think Peter did as well, but Peter didn't know that this was going to be a real divine moment for him. This was going to be a big moment. He was just doing his mundane, Monday task, doing his job. Fishing was his occupation, and he's just fishing. He's done with a full day of work. Notice he didn't catch anything. I'm sure he's a little depressed. He's a little bummed. He's washing his nets. And here it is. A man gets up into his boat and says, I want you to push out. Now, we can learn something about Peter, and I think we can learn something uh, about ourselves. And, and, and I think the question is begged to be asked, and this is the question that Jesus is really asking of Peter, and it's also the question I think he's asking of us. And here's the question, can I use this? Can I use this? And so I, I want to share with you some, some principles that we can learn from Peter on how can we be used by God because I think legacy is all about us being used by God in such a way that it, it lives beyond us. But, but how, do we, how, do we, how do we come to a place where we're used by God? If, if you're taking some notes, let's write a couple things down. Number one, first thing is you got to realize that everything I have belongs to God. Everything that I have belongs to God. See, when we read this story, we, re we read that, that Jesus got into Peter's boat and we see a boat. But when Jesus looked at the boat, how many know Jesus didn't see a boat? Jesus saw something that was his. 
Oh, watch how this plays out because, you know, we look at this and we see a boat, but when Jesus looks at this, he doesn't just see a boat. He sees, you know what? You wouldn't have this boat if it wasn't for wood, and you wouldn't have wood if it wasn't for trees, and you wouldn't have trees if it wasn't for me. Come on, y'all with me here? Y'all realize who Jesus is, right? He is the creator. He, him along with God the Father spoke things into existence. They are the ones that in Genesis chapter 1 said, in the beginning, let there be light. And he's the one who produced the trees. And I mean, no, if you got trees, then you can get wood. And if you got wood, you can make a boat. But that boat is not Peter's. That boat is Jesus's. And so what we fail to realize oftentimes is that when God is asking things of us, we think it's ours when it's really his. That everything that I have belongs to him. Everything that I have belongs to him. Uh, I read this thing a while back. They said life is a lot like the game of Monopoly. It's not like a box of chocolates. It's like a game of Monopoly. Where we are all handed out our money and our cards, but in the end, everything goes back in the box because it really doesn't belong to us. And I think the number one reason why people get so so offended when, when we do even a series that talks about, hey, you need to, you need to give your talents and you, you need to give your treasure and you need to give your time. And people get so upset because we're preaching on those things. And the reason why they do is because you think it's yours. When the truth is it's not yours anyways. That everything that you have is because of God. Everything God has given us. Watch Psalms 24. This is what the Bible says. Psalms 24 verse 1. The earth is the what? Whose is it? The Lord's and, and, and what? Everything. Say it again. And everything. everything that is in it, the world, and all who live in it, everything is the Lord's. Any parents in here, you've, you've um, had your children and, you know, uh, how, many, how many parents in here got kids? You got kids? You got kids? Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So, this illustration, may, <laughs> we got kids. We got every parent here has kids. That's true. That is it's a true statement. You're off the worship team. And so, uh, so, and so, hey, I'm humble enough. I receive it. Okay, so <clears throat> every parent here has kids. How many here have, have, have let your kids, your kids have asked for a snack or asked for dessert or asked for something and they're eating it and you asked for a bite? Anybody in here? You asked for a bite. Hey, can I have a fry? Hey, can I have a chip? Hey, can I have a little bit of the ice cream? And your kids have responded as, get your own. Anybody? Anybody been there before? And in that moment, you as a parent have to make a decision at that moment. Is this going to be a parenting moment? Do I need to remind you that that is my ice cream? Like, I bought that. Like, I could buy enough ice cream to drench you and baptize you in ice cream right now if I wanted to. That is my ice cream. And do you not realize that that is not yours and this house is yours and that room you stay in, that bed, that's mine. And I could take all of that at any moment. If you really want to see who is mine and what is yours, I'll give you what's yours, but you're going to be poor. Yeah. Right? And oftentimes we do the exact same thing with everything that we have. We have failed to realize that everything that we have is actually God's. The degree that you have, God gave you the intellect to get the degree. 
The job that you have, God gave you the ability to get the job that you have. The, 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 the business that you own, God gave you the dream and the drive to get the business that you actually own. The, the kids that you have, God gives you the wisdom to how to handle the kids that he has given you. And the money that you have right now, you did not earn it. God gave you the ability to have the health and the ability to get up and, and to have skill set and to go to work and do what you do. And he gave you breath in your lungs. And so everything that you have is God's. Everything. Everything. And as soon as we think that it's ours, the problem we have, the reason why we can't be generous is because you think it's yours, not realizing it's not yours, it's God's anyways. And so when you realize that everything that I own, everything that I have is already God's, it's easy to give it away because it's not yours to give away. It's his. So when he asks for it, it's easy to give it. Everybody with me so far? So, so I, just, I just wrote this down. The basic question is not how much of our money we should give to God, but how much of God's money should we keep for ourselves? And so, so when he got into the boat, he, it, it wasn't the reason he didn't ask. is because it was his boat. This is my boat. Hey, Peter, I want you to push off. Which leads actually to the next part of being used by God. Watch, watch what the next part happens. The next verse says this. So when he had finished speaking, so he pushed out. Jesus preaches to all these people. When he's done preaching, he's done with his message finally. It says now he turns to Simon, who we know is Peter. And he says, okay, now, hey, let's go out where it's deep. Let's let, let's let down our nets and let's go catch some fish. Now you've got to imagine, what had Peter just been doing all night? He had already been doing this. He had been fishing. And so he says, Master, <laughs> we worked hard all last night. Like, I'm coming off of a graveyard shift. Can I, uh, can I go home? And, and, and the worst part of it is we went out there and did a bunch of fishing, and I came back with nothing. Sounds like my hunting trip yesterday. Came back with nothing. <laughs> it's depressing. And you got to imagine in this moment, Peter is exhausted He's physically exhausted. He's, he's mentally exhausted. But I just wrote this down because notice Peter was washing his nets. He had already finished all night. He had given up. He was done. But just because you feel like you're done doesn't mean God is. Because here we are. Jesus is in the same boat, the same nets, the same lake. And he's asking him to do the exact same thing that he's been doing all night, which he caught nothing. And now you want me to do the exact same? I mean, we're not even in a new spot. I don't have new equipment. There's nothing new here. And think about this on top of all this, if this makes it even more fun. What is Jesus' profession? He's a carpenter. What is Peter's profession? He's a fisherman. That would be like me as a pastor coming into your mechanic shop and telling you, yeah, you know what? You need to change the radiator there. Like, first off, I don't even know where the radiator is. I just said it because that's a part of the car that I know. I don't know what it does. I don't know where it is. Don't demean my man card. I'm still a man, but I just don't know a lot of those things. That's why I pay professionals to do that stuff. But that is, I, for me to go up into, that would be like me st stepping into the cockpit and telling the pilot how to fly the plane. So here he is, you have the carpenter telling the fisherman, hey, I think you just need to go cast your net again. Be like, say what? Who do you think you are? But here's, here's the big point you got to realize, and it's number two, that when God asks, just say yes. When God asks, 
Just say yes. Everybody say yes. 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 Watch this. Luke chapter 5. The next verse says this. So after Jesus says, hey, let's just go, let's go catch some fish. He says, if you say so, then I'll let the net down. You say so, I'm, I'm going I'm to let this down. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think the people who have changed the world were not the most gifted. They were just the most willing. They were just the most willing. The greatest obstacle right now to you being used by God is if you'll say yes. It's just, it's just if you will say yes. And there are some things right now that God has been speaking to you for so long and you keep saying no, 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 no. And God is wanting you to say yes. Now, for all those that, how many of you have been in church for like a couple decades, like 15 plus years? How many of you have been in, been in church for longer than that? How many of you remember the song back in the day they used to sing? It says, I'll say yes. Lord, yes, remember that, Mr. Tracy? To your will and to your way, I'll say. Okay, there's three of y'all that know this song. Okay, yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, and my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, It'll be on my album. It's coming out. It's coming out in March. See, that, that song, though, is so true. Like, when your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart, I'll agree, and my answer will be, yes, Lord, yes. See, before you got saved, you were saying yes to things you should have been saying no to. That guy came up to you, girl... I need your number. You should have said no. <laughs> you said yes. And now you're regretting it. Okay, some people said, hey, man, come to this party. It's going to be awesome. You should have said no. But instead you said yes. And now you're still living in the regret of some of those decisions that were made after that party. And so before Christ, oftentimes we're saying yes to things we should have been saying no to. The problem is then we get saved and we give our hearts to Jesus and Jesus starts asking things of us and we say no to the things we should now be saying yes to. So God says, I want you to do this. And you go, "Mm mm-mm, no. And so when the enemy said, I want you to do this, we said, yeah, sure. And now God is saying, I want you to do this. And you go, "Mm mm-mm, I'm not doing that. The greatest hindrance, I believe, to us really being used by God is, will we just say yes? And this is what we learned from Peter, that God had decided to partner with Peter, but Peter had the opportunity to choose if he was going to partner with God. Now, here's the coolest part I love about this story, is that Peter's job in obedience was just to do the natural. There was nothing supernatural about what he asked them to do. Let down your nets. It's the natural. Oftentimes, we think God is going to ask us to do supernatural things. But how many know he's not? He's just going to ask you to do natural things. When you do the natural things, then he puts his super on your natural. So he tells, he, it, David walks up to, a, to the, the children of Israel, and, and here's Goliath, and you know, he's shouting out profanities to the children of God, and David's like, ah, no, mm-mm. I'm going to do something about this. Grab some, grab some stones, and he slings a stone. That's natural, but how many know God directed it to kill Goliath? 
Moses comes up to the Red Sea, millions of people behind him. He's like, God, what are we going to do? And God says, just raise your staff. Uh, I think it was kind of like, that. okay. <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, y'all see the movies. He's like, yeah, you know. I think he was like, all right. <laughs> and he's, as he's raising it, the waters are parting because God parted the Red Sea. Joshua goes to Jericho and he says, God, what do you want us to do? March around the wall seven times and shout at the end. Bring the worship team out. Okay, all right. And sure enough, we know they obey what God tells them to do. And they say, okay, yes, yes. And he does it and they shout. And what does God do? He does the supernatural. The walls come down. Peter, Jesus, is that you? Yeah, come join me out here on the water. It's awesome. What's his obedience? Yes. And as he steps, God does the supernatural and lets him walk on things that he used to not be able to walk on. Are y'all following me? We're asking God to do things he wants us to do. God won't do your part, but you don't need to do God's part. You're trying to do the part that God is going to do, and God's going, you can't save them. Just share your faith with them. Just love them. Just be there for them. I'll save them. You just do that. You do your part, and you let me do the saving. Are y'all with me? So we do, we do our part. We do the natural. All Peter. This is all Peter had to do. Yes, lower the nets. That's it. Like, nothing fancy. Yes, lower the nets. And, and he drops the nets, and we see what happens. And a lot of that has happened. This is, this is really how our church got started, honestly. Over 18 years ago, as Pastor Jacob sitting down with Pastor Bubba and Pastor Steve, and Pastor Jacob says, we got to plant a church in Jennings. Pastor Bubba says, yes. Now, he needed to let Miss Tracy know that eventually. So, we, yes, we're going to go. How are you glad they said yes? Yeah. Come on, somebody. That 2005, the hurricanes hit all our area, devastated so many things in our area. And we said, you know, we're, we're not going to just go to church. We're going to be the church. And so we're going to open up our church. We're going to be a relief center. And we began to be a relief center for people all around here. We just said, God, yes, we'll do it. 2016, the flood hits. And we say, you know, we're not going to go to church. We're going to be the church. We're just going to do something. We're just going to do the practical, and we're going to believe God to do the supernatural. Everything in this church has literally just been us just stepping out and going, God, if you want us to do it, we'll do it. It sounds crazy. It looks crazy, but we're just going to do it. And every time we step out and do it, God shows up and he shows off and he says, look, you got to do your part though first. And so as we, as we move into this legacy series and do this legacy offering and it's like, man, I, I'm, a part of me is like, I don't know how in the world it's going to happen. I still don't know how it's going to happen, but we're just going to step out. We're just going to believe. We're going to trust. And we're, going to, we're just going to give God what he asks of us to do. And I just believe when we give God our little part, how many of you know he blesses it? He blesses it. He blesses it. This is what he does. I love what uh, Pastor Jacob says this all the time. He says, you never know what is on the other side of your obedience. You never know what's on the other side of your obedience. And maybe, just maybe, the reason why you're stuck and you're not going anywhere in your life is because the thing that God told you to do, you keep telling them no to. God's going, hey, let's step. I stand up here and go, hey, get in next step. Get in next step. Just take the two weeks. Get in next step. Start discovering your purpose. Get on a dream team. And you go, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Nope, mm-mm, mm-mm. Get in a life group. Get connected to people. Let people start speaking into your life. It's going to help your marriage. It's going to help you. And you're like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. Mm-mm. And then you wonder why you're stuck. Because the biggest part is just really just us going, yes, yes. And when you do that, 
I want you to track with me. Watch. When you do that, watch what happens. And at this time, because Peter just said yes, at this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Listen to me very closely. What Peter could not do all night, Jesus did in one minute. And can that be the story of our life? What we have been trying to do our entire life to find joy and fulfillment and blessings. And eventually when we just said, God, you can have it. He says, finally, I got this. I got this. And that's what happens if what people don't really understand is, man, when I go all in, I just say yes. Eventually, I take my hands off of the one thing that God can bless the most. The reason he can't bless it is because my hands are on it. It's got to get out of my hands, and it's got to get into his hands. And he takes it. And so that leads to number three, which is God's best is always on the other side of my yes. God's best is always on the other side of my yes. This is how it is. Think about it. Because Peter said yes, not only was his boat filled, but everybody's boat around him was filled. Not only that, he also, God used his boat, Jesus used his boat to preach to people. So people probably got saved and marriages got healed and there was broken hearts that got healed. And all of this happened because one man just let him use his boat And oftentimes there are some things on the other side of our obedience and God is just waiting for us to say yes. Watch what it goes on. It says in the next verse, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. Anybody in here been really far from God, but God still blessed you big time? Anybody in here? And you were like, I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. Sounds like a song right? How many of you know, because the Bible says it is the goodness and the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. It was God's blessing on Peter that actually led him to a place of God. I, I can't do it. Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. And watch Jesus' response. I love this. He says, don't be afraid from now on. You'll be fishing for people. You're going to be fishing for people, which leads to number four, And the last one is this, that the point of my life is to point people to Jesus. The point of my life is to point people to Jesus. This culture, this society will tell you that the point of your life is to be all about you, to build a dynasty. You hear that word a lot, dynasty. You know, the Patriots have a dynasty. And you hear a lot of sports teams that got a dynasty. They, they've built this name for themselves. They have this dynasty. And we, we have a culture that celebrates successful dynasties. But how many know dynasties mean nothing to God if they don't have eternal value? So God says, I don't want you to build a dynasty. I want you to build a legacy. I don't, I don't want it to be said that when you die, it dies. When you die, it carries on. And so this is what happens. He says, listen, listen, Peter, you have been living your life in this job. Great job. Fishing for fish. Great. You used it. What was that? That was his occupation. It's what he, listen, when we think of fishermen, you think he was just fishing like for food. He was not fishing just for food. You know why he was fishing? To provide for his family. 
Y'all know those fish he sold to provide for his home. He was using that to provide for his home, for his family. And here God steps in and says, hey, when you say yes, here's the cool part. When you say yes, guess what God blessed? He gave him more fish than ever, which means now he looks at it and he goes, oh my God, look at the blessings of God that he gave me. God says, listen, you think this is awesome. You're going to not fish for fish anymore. You're going to not fish for people. Here's what he said. I'm going to show you how to take what you use to make money, and I'm going to show you now how to use it to make a difference. I'm going to show you how to make a difference. Most people think when they think of ministers and they think of ministry, they think of what I do. But the truth is, the Bible says that you are ministers. You have a ministry. How many know what God does outside of this church is just as important as what he does in this church? 39 of the 40 miracles that Jesus performs are outside of the church. And you know what that tells me? That you, you have an opportunity to take what you love to do, to take what you do to make money, to take all these things that God, these skill sets that God has given you, and now use them to make a difference. How many know we don't want to make a name, we want to make a difference? I don't want to make a name for myself, I want to make a difference. I don't want to build my own stuff, I want to make a difference for what God has, because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what's eternal. Is everybody with me? And we want to point people to Jesus in all that we do. So when I, pa- when I pass that kid's building, I, I don't, I'm not thinking money. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children that will fill that thing every single Sunday and meet this incredible Savior and find out that God's got a purpose for them. And they'll find out that God can use them in a mighty way, that they don't have to wait to be the church, that they are the church right now, that they can go to school and make a difference and they can go in their neighborhoods and make a difference, that God's put stuff inside of them. When I see a parking lot filled with cars, I don't see cars, I see people. Because the point of our life is to point people to Jesus. And God can use you in whatever occupation you have, whether you're on a drill ship or you're at a serving coffee or if you're in the medical field or you're a teacher or, or you're somewhere behind a desk or you're at home raising your kids. How I many know God can use whatever you have to make a difference? Are y'all with me? That we would open our eyes to see that the point of my life is to point people to Jesus. If the point of your life is to make it about you, you'll be miserable. I, I tell people all the time, you, know, you want to know how you get over your problems? You realize other people have them too. <laughs> you know how quickly I get past my problems? Walk into a hospital in the ICU and you'll get grateful real quick realizing, dear God, I am so blessed. Yeah, I got some problems, but man, we got a lot of people around here that, got, that are worse off than I am. And God, I have so much to be grateful for. I realize that I want to live something beyond myself. And I love how this verse ends. And this is how it ends, and we're done. And it says, as soon as they landed, they left what? Everything. They left everything, and they followed Jesus. They left everything, and they followed Jesus. Uh, you're not going to do anything successful in life unless you go all in. Like, you just have to. You got to go all in. And I, um, like, listen, I, I love sports. I love watching it. I love the Tigers. Come on, Tigers, one last night. Pray for the saints today. And um, I love them. But it is amazing at how many people will go all in for LSU. I mean, like, I'm talking about, like, all in. 
like get there early, tailgating all day, spend thousands of dollars for seats, paint their bodies. <laughs> Come on, is this not the truth? Scream at a bunch of guys on a field that don't know their name and act like they're in the game. Walk home that night if they lost depressed. All for a game. Because these people, they're passionate about it. They love it. They're, they're, they're all in. They're all in. I'm just asking us, let's just go all in for something that's actually eternal. Come on, someone's going to make a difference. Something that's going to, that's going to bless people beyond where we are. We, we, got to, we got to go all in. And so could it be that the, the same question that Jesus is asking of Peter, can I use this, is maybe the same question that God is asking us. Can I use this? Notice that Jesus never asked Peter what size his boat is. Because <laughs> a lot of us in here, when I say, man, uh, let's ask God, can I use me? You think... I talked to somebody before the 8 a.m. service. He said, man, I really don't feel like I can be used by God. I, I don't feel like I know enough. I don't feel like I can do enough. And I said, what are you talking about? Like the spirit of God lives inside of you. There's so much inside of you. Notice God never asked us to make our boat bigger. He just says, give me what you have and I'll make it bigger. And, and so we're so quick to say, no, God can't use me. God can't do anything with me because I, I really don't have that much. When, when I talk about the legacy offering, you're like, man, I really just don't have that much to give. I'm just really trying to pay my bills. God never asks you to give something that you don't have. He's asking, will you give what you do have? Will you give the time that you do have? Well, I can't, man, I can't, I can't serve during, how, how can you? How can you use what God's given you? Stop, stop asking what I can't do. Start asking God, what do you want me to do? And that's why we tell you all the time just to, just to pray and ask the Lord. You should wake up every single morning. And th this should be the posture of your heart. First off, God, thank you today. God, thank you that I got, I got breath in my lungs. Thank you for the life that I have. Thank you for the home that I have. Thank you for the relationships that I have. God, they're such a gift. We'll talk about gratitude next week a little bit. But you should, th then here's where, your, here's where your thing comes. God, not my will. But God, your will be done today. God, whatever you want me to do today, God, I'm open. I'm just committing today to say yes. I'm going to pre-fill in yes before I know what the question is. See, most of us go, okay, God, what are you asking me to do? And then we go, okay, God, how's that going to work out? Can you show me plan A, B, C, D? How's this going to play out? And then we decide, okay, yeah, I'll do that. How many know oftentimes just God goes, step? And you're like, Okay, like what, am I gonna sink? Just step. And oftentimes God speaks to us. How many know God's not a God that often gives details? Sometimes you don't even get details. Sometimes you get details, but it's after. So go all in. Go all in. God, I pray that we would be a church that just says, yes. Would you bow your heads in this place? God, we love you. We love you. God, it's not about amounts. It's about obedience. It's about willingness. God, we, we are committing as a church. Now, God, whatever you're asking us to do, it can't be any less than what you gave for us. God, I'm so thankful today 
that I serve a God who said yes. That Father, when you tapped Jesus on the shoulder and you said, you're going down there. You're now going to go down. You're going to live amongst these people that we love. You're going to live a life that they need to live, but you're going to die a death that they deserve to die. And God, I am so thankful that Jesus said yes. And God, at the, at the Garden of Gethsemane, the prayer of Jesus was, God, not my will, but yours be done. If you're here in this room, and you know God's just been speaking to you, and you say, man, I, just, I, wanna, I wanna recommit today just to say yes, I'm gonna say yes. God, I'm saying yes. I want you just to kind of lift your hands right there. God, we're just recommitting today to just say yes. God, we're all in for what you have. God, we're going all in for you. God, I thank you, Lord, that you never ask something of us that you don't return better than you got it. God, what you use, you fill. So today we say yes. The most important thing that we can say yes to, though, is a relationship with God. The Bible says that we will not get into heaven if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, that Jesus is the key. That for us to be born again, it's not, you can't take enough communion, you can't go to church enough. There's nothing that you can do on your own that gets you a right relationship with the Father. It had to be Jesus. Jesus came. Jesus on the cross, he was our substitute. He bore our sin, our shame, our guilt. He rose again from the grave and he offers that, the grace as a gift to us. It says, receive it. And the Bible says, if we will confess our sins and believe in our heart that he is Lord, that he will forgive, that we will be born again, that he will make all things new. If you're here today and you've never just said yes to Jesus, today I don't want you to walk out this place saying that. If that's you, on the count of three, I just say, I'm all in. I want a relationship with God. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hands up. One, two, three. If that's you, I'm saying yes today. I'm saying yes today. Come on, come on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Today, I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes. Nine, back there in the right. Thank you. You can put your hand down. I want to say this together as a, as a, as a prayer prayer doesn't save you, but it does start the beginning, I believe, of a journey with Jesus. And it's an expression of our heart when we just say this. I just want you to repeat this after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I say yes. Thank you for dying a death that I deserve to die and living a life that I want to live. You took my shame my past, my pain, my failures. You died for them. And you rose again to give me a relationship with the Father, a purpose on earth, and a place in heaven. Today, I confess you are the Lord of my life. Forgive me, cleanse me, use me. In Jesus' name, amen.